0: Good morning church family and a merry christmas. I am impressed with this group. You had your Christmas Eve celebrations and you made it here today. But what a better way to celebrate what this really is about. We get the opportunity seven after seven years, each seven years to come together on a sabbath to celebrate Emmanuel. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as I pray for us before Pastor Ryan and I share some Christmas thoughts from Isaiah chapter 9 with you. But I want you to do something very specific today. I want you to think about how different life will be when you believe that God is with you. Father God, this day means so much more than the world think it does. It represents for us not so much the sentimentality of a baby born in a stable, but a reality, a truth that says to us as creation that God has not left us, abandoned us, or is somehow this distant sovereign, but in person, in flesh, came to be with us because he loves us. The profound message of Christmas is that Emmanuel testifies to the character and nature of a God that loves what he has made and desires to be with us. Give us the faith, not only today, but in the weeks, months, and year ahead, to remember this truth, to affirm this truth. To in faith believe that even in the darkest moments of this world, your light shines, and your light shines because you have promised your disciples, your followers, that you will never leave them and never forsake them. So today, Father, no matter where we are in life, our age, our challenge, our problems, our hopes, our dreams, Our aspirations, our longings, and even in our fears, your word proclaims that you are with us. And because you are with us, we have hope. (laughs) We have hope not only for this life, but for the life to come. And so we worship not as those who are trying to get your attention. We don't worship as those who have to to do a whole bunch of stuff for a God who has already shown us through Emmanuel Christ's presence that He longs to be with us. We, in faith, say thank you. May you now take these simple thoughts and profoundly speak in simplicity and understanding to our hearts and to our minds. May our minds not only be transformed by your truth, but may our lives reflect in willful obedience the ways in which you call us to live. May your grace abound. May your peace be upon this world today. And may we be reminded that Jesus makes all the difference. Amen. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, Merry Christmas. Would you do that? <laughs> Not knowing this morning, of course, um, what who will be here, but so happy that you are, uh, Pastor Ryan and I decided that we want to share the Word of God a little bit creatively. Is that okay with you? <laughs> And this is as creative as we get, so don't (laughs) expect any interpretive dance or poetry, Uh, but a dialogue about the text that I think will speak hope to each one of us. And so I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as we prepare to hear the words of the Lord read. Would you join me in this prayer? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Isaiah, one of the significant prophets in the Old Testament, chapter 9, reading from verse 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder for the yoke of their burden. And the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, (laughs) Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You can say amen. (laughs) His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Hmm.
0: So, we're both wearing sweaters today.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like Santa's been good to you this year. He has, new sweater, yeah. indeed.
0: <laughs> Santa is a 18-year-old young man. With more hair than I've ever had. <laughs> uh, do you like this sweater? Yeah, it looks great. My son, I, my, I think my wife alluded to this, to, to this recently. She suggested that, that I need to up my style. I, she didn't <laughs> quite say it that way, but you know, when we got married, uh, I was a lot more stylish. Some of you are looking really worried. This is gonna be spiritual in a moment, okay? <laughs> Just and uh, my son and my daughters obviously have a lot of swagger, a lot of style. So this Christmas, I think, is an answer to prayer for them. Mm. They are trying to help me yeah. to regain my swagger, That's if you good. will. So, That's good. Thanks for noticing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks we'll for pray noticing. for your kids and the
0: hard work of yeah. helping
1: their dad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the way we want to talk about Isaiah 9 is through some questions, reflections, and then maybe speak about what this text might mean for you today. But before we do so, Pastor Ryan, I wonder if you want to tell us about just a favorite Christmas memory that you have.
1: Yeah, there, Christmas, has, Christmas is a significant day for many families, and there's a lot of traditions that are shared. Um, one that sticks out to me, um, you know, as, as a kid, you never, like, you never know the significance of things or really appreciate things until you get older, and then you realize, oh, there was actually a lot of meaning and heart behind that. Uh, Every year in my stocking, we would find, we'd get oranges and pecans. I don't Uh know if some of you maybe have similar things. We'd get, like, fruit and nuts. And as a kid, I'd open, and it was like, man, like, was the budget tight this year? Like, this is all (laughs) I could get? It's like oranges and nuts? As I got older, I began to listen to the stories that my grandfather would tell me. My grandfather was born uh, in the Depression era. Mm. And this was a significant gift that they would get, like, incredible gift that they would get on special occasions, particularly Christmas. One that then he carried on with my mom and her sister, and then was carried on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year, it continues to be just this significant thing that um, reminds me to tell
0: the story again and remember where I've come from.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: right. What about you? My dad dressed up as Father Christmas. Uh, does Father Christmas resonate with some of you? We don't call him <laughs> Santa in the southern hemisphere. Father Christmas. Handing out gifts at the church Christmas party. Hmm. My dad was a very serious person, very serious. For most of my life, I grew up thinking, man, um, you know, this guy, he's, he's all business. And I've shared this with you before over the years that it is not until about a year before the, the, the death of my family in, in that car accident that my dad and I actually developed a... A trusting, intimate relationship as father and son that I longed for all my life. Hmm. But on Christmas party day, <laughs> I saw a part of him that I never yeah. saw before a joy, a joy and delight in giving gifts because he enjoyed giving more than receiving. And in the way children responded to receiving gifts, yeah. it reminds us of what is lost in the church today. The text speaks about joy multiplied, hmm. as on when, when, when Israel celebrated a successful harvest. Yeah. They danced. Where's my Jamaican friends? They danced and celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm in>. <laughs> <laughs> because amidst everything, right, amidst a world that is dark, there was a cause for joy, and that joy was rooted in the faithfulness yeah. of a God who would walk with them. Yeah. And so, on Christmas Day, my dad... The other thing I have to mention, and then we'll get into the text, because some is getting a little nervous here. Um, the other thing I would mention is um, multi-layered trifle cake. Can I get an amen? Do you all know what trifle is? If you don't, you better get used to it. It's going to be in heaven. Uh, the layers of uh, cake, custard... We made this right. Ooh. Jello. Oh, yeah. Not just one color, multicolored jello. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when my mom would bring this out at the end of already an amazing dinner, this was the celebration that the kids were waiting for. <laughs> and I think, in some ways, Christmas is always about recognizing the value and the gift of those whom we share life with. Mm. And I think food often does trigger those memories. I don't know what it is for some of you, but for me, it's multi layered trifle cake with custard. And if you want to bless me, <laughs> and the Lord so leads today, oh. my address is 199. <laughs> oh. But anyway, let's yeah, get into yeah. the text.
1: Well, yeah, that's, I mean, maybe we should we should play with the text a little bit today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I got a question for you. We were Pastor Stu and I were reflecting on this text this week, and Isaiah is such a such an incredible book. Um, one that we sometimes maybe dive into with a, with maybe more confidence than we should at times. This book that is incredibly accessible at times, but it also feels incredibly intimidating. Um, as we talk a lot here at Skyview about uh, the power of text within a certain time and place. Um, these words were written in a particular context, framework, history. Uh, and so maybe just set the, the, set the scene for us a little bit. Isaiah 9 um, starts in kind of the beginning of the text. It's the early stages uh, of where Israel would go. But what's yeah. going on in the life of Israel at the moment?
0: Yeah, I, I think just before I answer that, one of, one of the key things about studying the Bible well into preaching well is to ask what it meant then before you answer the question what it might mean for us today. So oftentimes, we interpret the Scripture based upon kind of our wishes, wants, feelings, experiences, as opposed to starting perhaps in a more contextual, honest place. Mm -hmm. And the honest place of Isaiah 9 is that the people of God have lost their way. Now, they've lost their way for two reasons. One, they were refusing to act with justice and righteousness in relation to the people that God had given them care for. They were oppressing the poor. They were failing to love one another and serve each other as they ought to. And they were refusing to honor the one true God by practicing idolatry. Hmm. And because they did this, the scripture says they were walking in darkness. But the second thing the Scripture says, they were living in a land of darkness. Now, if you know the Bible well, you know that God liberated the people from Egyptian slavery so that they might inherit what? The promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But here in Isaiah, we see that things had gotten off track because their kings had made alliances with other kings. Refused to trust that God would be with them as he was. And now they find themselves in this place where they are almost returning to Egypt. Hmm. You know what the biggest temptation is for those of us who've experienced the liberating hope of God in our life? We live in a world of diminished interest in religion. We live in a world of secularized thought that suggests religion doesn't play a significant role. But for those of us who have come to discern the hope of God, sometimes the biggest temptation is to go back to that which we knew even if it wasn't good for us, Hmm. as opposed to trusting God for the promise and the hope that He has for us. And so, this kind of Let's go back to Egypt mentality has created this kind of place they find themselves in. Two things define the people. Despair. They were looking at their situation. Assyria had destroyed the northern kingdom. By now, Israel had been split into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom called Israel, the northern kingdom called Judah. Judah had a capital of Samaria. Assyria had destroyed and conquered the northern kingdom and now was taking Judah's best into captivity. Mm. So when the Scripture says this is a land of darkness, these people who once understood, tasted liberation by the mighty hand of God was finding themselves back there. Mm. The second thing that we have, I think that defines kind of the the way the people are at, is they yearn for liberation. Now some of you... That are here who have come from countries in which the word liberation is not just metaphoric in church. We don't just speak about liberation as kind of the symbolic act of God. Some people who have been enslaved, some people who have lived in fear, hmm. this scripture will resonate with you because what is happening here is that people are longing to be set free from that which binds them, hmm. that which holds them. Yeah. And so, I think we enter Christmas Day honestly when we learn to acknowledge that we too live in a dark world sometimes. And that sometimes the darkness is closer than we want to acknowledge. Sometimes the darkness in our life is on account of our own willful disobedience. Mm. Sometimes it's because of what others have done. And so, as we think about this text on a Christmas day like this, it invites us to be honest and to be open and to express to God in sincerity our longing for liberation. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think what I hear in that that resonates the most is that sometimes we we can feel tempted to read Scripture as if it's Takes us, takes us away from the darkness of the world, that it, it puts a set of blinders on us perhaps that maybe we can ignore all the things we'd rather not. <laughs> but texts like this, it speaks of immense hope and at the same time speaks of immense uh, darkness. Mm-hmm. And so holding those things in tension with one another to say that God is not ignorant to our darkness, that God knows the pain, that yeah. God with us Fact means God is with all of us, mm-hmm. uh, not just the things that I like about myself, but mm-hmm. maybe the things that hurt me the most. Right. right. So then I would, I would wonder, with this kind of historical backdrop, I mean, we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about, but the fact remains that Israel is in a place of darkness, not just because of their own unfaithfulness, but because of the actual darkness that is impending upon them. What is then Isaiah's prophecy do for them? What is it trying to speak to? Is it uh, sometimes maybe we have to discern not what it's what we wish it was speaking to, but what is it? What is the longing Isaiah is speaking to?
0: The longing uh, is perhaps best described in the one phrase, the word that is quoted early in Isaiah, which is Emmanuel. What the people are looking for is liberation, but what the people really need is to be reminded of this, that God is faithful to his promise. Hmm. (laughs) There's no call for response in this text as much as just the acknowledgement that the light is even present in the darkness.
1: Why do you think that's hard to remember?
0: Because we don't treat each other that way. When we fail one another, we tend to turn our backs on each other. When someone doesn't live up to their commitment, we tend to walk away. When we get hurt, we don't want to receive or give love. But God enters into kind of this covenant with the people, almost like a marriage, Where he is constantly showing them what faithfulness looks like even when they are not I Think the reason why we don't believe God is with us is because we just don't think God wants to be with us Mm. And one of the reasons we struggle with that is when we live in ways that says to God we choose darkness over light Mm. We choose our own kings over the true king We choose our way over the way of God. And the message of this text is speaking to the people in this way. It's requiring them, as one commentator said, to wear bifocals. Now, does anybody wear bifocals? Don't raise your hand. Um, (laughs) I went and had my eyes tested three weeks ago, and uh, I had a great time with the optometrist. (laughs) Like, I always feel like it's a test you have to win. Right? Like, so, instead of being honest about what my eyesight is, I'm trying to get everything right. That's kind of my mentality. <laughs> and it's probably in my best interest, to be honest, so that I get the right <laughs> prescription. Yeah. But after she did the test, she looked at me and she ad- asked me these words. Do you wear bifocals? And I was, I was, I don't know, I don't know what the word is.
1: Offended. <laughs> Offended. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she said, you need them. I said, no, it's okay. I take my glasses off what I want to read. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to push against bifocals as long as possible. But here's what bifocals do, right? They allow you to see two things, near and far. And what the text requires us to do is to see two things. Honestly, one, the darkness that is around and sometimes even within. But second the God who comes into the darkness. Christianity is never about escapism. It is never about escapism, but it is always about Emmanuel and light that comes into dark places. Thanks be to God.
1: Yeah, it sounds like light requires courage. Mm -hmm requires courage and that there's things that I want to be revealed but there's also things I'd rather not be revealed maybe because I don't want I don't want to be honest about maybe the unfaithfulness in my own life or I lack the faith to believe that God can actually transform that place in my life absolutely so this text speaks, it has a number of beautiful beautiful images that speak to a lot of number of things. But the main one that sticks out to us today, I think for Christmas Day, is says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this light that mm-hmm. Isaiah speaks
0: of. Yeah, there's this wonderful opening to John's gospel that mimics Genesis, right? Uh, the, you know, the, the word became flesh. And this is one of my favorite texts. This is what it says, John 1, 4, and 5. It says, in him was life. Do you know this one? And the life was the light of all mankind. And in these words, the light shines in the darkness. And I want you to hear the power of this. I get goosebumps even as I just think about it. And the darkness has not overcome it. Come on, man. <laughs> Thanks be to God. The first, I think the first response uh, to, to, to what this light is, this light is Christ. This light is the Emmanuel hope, the Jesus who comes and fulfills what we can. not If you try to save yourself, right, based upon religious rules and adherence and paying your tithes, really want you to do all those things as a pastor. Now, that doesn't save you. If you want to overcome uh, you know, immoral ways of life, if you want to become more generous, if you want to live for God, Uh, You know, all those things don't save you when you do them. The only thing that saves you is the gracious gift of God in Christ. That said, such grace requires a response. We don't live the same way when we receive the costly grace of God. We allow God's light to shine not only in our world but on us. And so when we welcome Jesus at Christmas time, we're welcoming uh, a light that, that will not only be about others, but it is first and foremost about you and I. A light that shines um, the truth of God upon our own hearts and intentions and motives. A light that shines upon the sin, the bondage, the shortcomings. And here's what I want to say about the light. The light is not intended to embarrass us or to make us feel that God's not interested. In fact, the light is intended to show us just how much God loves us because it is in loving us that He wishes to save us from that which brings darkness. I think the second thing that I would say about the light is, the light is present in dark places. The church that is going to follow Jesus is not going to have an attitude of closing its doors and being afraid. Fear produces poor Christians. Fear makes us selfish, anxious, afraid, Instead, the light that shines in us according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon of the Mount, we should never hide. And the church that chooses to hold the light to itself is like the customer who goes to Home Depot stands in the light department. I love that department. The light and lamp department, I love it. But I'm sure the owner of Home Depot would say to us the point is not that those lamps stay in our warehouse. We'd like them to go home with you. We'd like you to take them to your office, (laughs) put them where they can make a difference. And so, as much as the light shines on us and we can, in grace, come and confess those areas of our life that sometimes we hide from God, we don't want people to know, we all have them, the darkness that we don't want other people to know, the invitation is allow the light of God to shine on even those places. Could this be the year that God liberates you from some things that you have struggled with for many, many years? Hmm. Could it be that the hope of God wants to reach into your life and, and address some of the past hurts and pains and bring hope? But could it also be that God wants you to live as a witness of hope in life? If we cannot live with hope, what are we telling the world we possess? If we're, if we're, far, if we're not less anxious than the world, less depressed in, in, in terms of who we are as Christians, if, we, if we're not embodying, embodying hope, what witness do we have? And um, I think that's all I should say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what, what sticks out most as a reflect on one of our last questions is that it's, it's easy to look at these kind of things and say, well, like, that's, that's a great thought. However, life, life is just too dark right now. Mm-hmm. And I think reading texts like Isaiah remind me that this hope in the light speaks amidst conquest, destruction, like all that would come after Isaiah, we would read this text and say this is foolhardy for them to profess that the light has come that if they only knew <laughs> all that was to come before right. them. And so we read it, and it's easy to feel confused. Yet, I think what's found in there is this faith to believe that even when it feels most dark, that the light is perhaps already at work, or yeah. we don't see it. Yeah. And so in my own life, the as we were um, responding at the beginning of the service, I'm thinking about my home, my family, my work, my community, places where... I, I would like to be seeking light, If I was honest with myself, I would say it just feels pretty dark. Mm-hmm. And so texts like this invite me to say in faith, that God, I believe you're already at work there. Absolutely. Uh, in that broken family relationship that I have. Maybe the person that I feel like I can't call today, um, but I wish I could. That maybe God's already at work there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just close maybe with, with this question, Where's where's the hope in days like this? I mean, we've alluded to it a number of times But if you could concisely just say what is what is Emmanuel? How does it give us hope?
0: Uh, the hope of the text is simply this that God is with us irrespective of where we find ourselves today hmm. And the challenge of the text is to believe it
1: hmm.
0: The challenge is to believe that Emmanuel is all that Isaiah proclaims by the way Biblical scholars think that Isaiah thought the Emmanuel he describes here would be Hez- uh, Hezekiah, the king that would follow King Ahaz. We read this as the fulfillment of Jesus where it is, but at the time they were just hoping for a king that was better than Ahaz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we know today that that king has come. Mm. As good as David was, as good as Hezekiah was. No one, no one, has the power, the wisdom, and the ability as King Christ, Jesus.
1: Yeah.
0: And today, we are fortunate that we can read this text and see that God always was committed to sending Jesus. Mm. <laughs> so as we finish, and all God's people says, amen, amen. <laughs> No amens, okay.
1: <laughs> they're just enjoying what you're saying so much, <laughs> Stu.
0: I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Go with that. Uh, we want you to respond to this final song in a, in a way. You don't have to, but we have these. Um, I think these are cookie sheets, are they?
1: Yeah. They're, <laughs> Stu, Stu didn't trust that the candles could stay on the tablecloth. I said it was fine, but. I said yeah. I trust him.
0: I just don't trust some of you. So we have, uh, we have the candles on these cookie sheets for a reason. In the singing of the next songs, um, we want to invite you, as an act of faith, to respond to lighting one of these candles, Um, perhaps in a way saying, God, there is some things in my life that I need your light to shine on. Uh, There's some things that I'm burdened by, some things that I am struggling with. Some people I need to learn how to love. Hmm. Some people I need to learn how to forgive. Um, And as an act of faith to come and simply take these lighters and light a candle as a prayer to God that you're inviting His light into your life. The second thing that it could mean for some of us is as you think about the world in which we live. And maybe at times you feel overwhelmed by the darkness you see. Maybe you're just kind of going, I don't know why men and humankind seem bent on war and conflict. Hmm. Why we intuitively almost turn away from the peace that God offers towards ways of living that hurts, harms, and destroys. And maybe as an act of faith as a Christian, you light a candle today to say, I want to see God's presence at work in these places and in these situations. As a prayer, you may say, God, I want to be able to discern amidst the darkness the hope in you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So during the singing of this song, we don't want to make this weird or uncomfortable, (laughs) but we ask that you would come And um, take one of these lighters and light a candle. If you want to pause for a moment, you can, but you can just return to your seat, and we will conclude the service thereafter. God bless you.